If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another listener story episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. And today I interview an amazing woman named Sarah. Sarah is a pediatric ICU doctor. She is also a comedian. She does comedy improv as a big part of her life. I would call it way more than a hobby. It's a huge passion of hers. And we talk about how her relationship ended earlier this year. And people will think that just because your relationship was less than a year, that somehow it voids your ability to really heal and grieve and and have to go through all of that. And Sarah's a great example of her relationship was nine months and she still had to go through tremendous heartache and tremendous heartbreak. And her breakup happened because she was ready to start talking about the next step and start talking about marriage and what their life was going to look like. And her ex just made it clear that that was not something that he was capable of doing or, you know, ready to do by any means. So they had to make the really painful decision to cut ties and to say to each other, look, I love you. I know you love me, but at this point, it just doesn't make sense for us to continue because we want different things. So she talks about having to go through that painful process. She also talks about the fallout from the breakup because she met her ex through the comedy theater that she performs at. So having her ex be a part of something that's so important to her in her life and how she has navigated that. Sarah is a beautiful example of what it means to lean on your friends when going through a breakup. I was incredibly inspired by that. Um, She really took healing into her own hands, I will say. And there were so many things she did that blew me away in terms of you know, not just letting time take care of it, but she was so proactive in going through her breakup. So 
again, even if this story doesn't necessarily match your story, you got to listen because you'll not only get ideas on how real life people deal with breakups, but again, it will remind you that things pass. You're not alone in what you're going through. So can't wait for you guys to hear Sarah's incredible story. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. So happy to have you on today. Hi, Kendra. I'm a huge fan and I am fangirling so hard for you right now. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to chat with you. So the audience can and the listeners can relate. Can you tell us just a little bit about you? Like give us a little snapshot of who you are, where you're from, all of those things. Sure. So my name is Sarah. I'm 39. I'm actually a pediatric ICU doctor and I live in Sacramento, California. I grew up in Southern California and my background culturally is that I'm Persian, which is relevant because I have very involved parents um, and a very close family with lots of cultural expectations. And then outside of the hospital, I've involved in improv comedy through our local comedy theater that I'm now a board member of and a regular performer. And that's actually where I met my ex. Okay. Could you walk me through just like a Cliff Notes version of the relationship? Sure. Um, so we had known each other kind of peripherally through the comedy theater and the pandemic really brought our community together. I started to take on more of a chief medical correspondent role (laughs) as the pandemic was starting. So I started to become a little bit more visible and I always thought he was very cute, but he was, you know, nine years younger than me. And it just never crossed my mind to ever think of him more than just kind of a, a cute performer. Um, And so we started to talk through DMs and he started to create these game nights for our group. And suddenly we were talking daily. And as it seemed like the world was kind of falling apart around us, we couldn't ignore this thing that was developing. And very early on, we were very honest with each other that we had both been hurt. We had both been spending some time working on ourselves, but that this was kind of just too good to pass up. And so for me personally, he was not the type of person I'd ever expect to like, let alone date. Um, Usually I date guys within my culture who are a little bit older or my age. So this was a big shock to my system. So we took things very slow and then we quote merged quarantine bubbles and and he was very big on communicating. And from the beginning, we kind of talked about um, some really difficult conversations, things that were triggering for us. And particularly it was a little bit weird to be physically exclusive when there maybe wasn't quite that readiness to be emotionally exclusive, but we had to because of dating during COVID. But honestly, the relationship itself was the healthiest one I had ever been in. And it was with someone I never thought I would really ever date. But unfortunately, as things kind of progressed, we started to realize that um, as I was ready for the relationship to kind of progress onward and upward, he wasn't. Hmm. Okay. And then... I want to get into a couple of things that you said, but um, what caused the breakup? Was it you? Was it him? How did that happen? Um, So for context, the breakup happened kind of at the end of January of 2021. And I started to notice in the week or two leading up to it that he was kind of pulling away and I was starting to get a little bit more anxious. And I think it was kind of an avoidant anxious tendencies that were coming up between the two of us, whereas everything had felt very secure prior to that. Um, But he randomly texted me one evening and asked me if I felt like my needs were being met. And uh, since he knew that we weren't exactly on the same page and whether this was becoming more of a problem for me. So we talked for a few hours that night and kind of mutually, it started to become clear that we had different expectations. He wanted to remain casually dating, 
while I wanted to explore deepening our relationship. Um, so he came over the next day to continue talking, but I think I already knew that it was the end and it was by far the most heartbreaking breakup I'd ever experienced. We just held each other on my couch while I mostly cried. He usually isn't one to cry, but at one point he did break down. And I just remember asking him, are you ready to walk away from this? And when he said, maybe this just isn't our time, I just kind of fell apart and just kind of fell into his arms and cried because I knew he was right. And I knew that we were at an impasse and that we wouldn't be able to get through it without one of us compromising something very important to us. So I said all the things in my heart, you know, for me being a healthcare provider, like this last year, I had been surrounded by so much death and dying that I knew I just didn't want to hold back anything and live with regret, which I know this is really deep and depressing, but the point is that um, it was important to me to share all those things. I never wanted to feel like that was the closure I needed. And I agree with you that, you know, the closure is what you give yourself. So, uh, you know, I told him all the things. I said that I had grown to love him, that I never took a moment of our time together for granted and how grateful I was for having had the chance to be with him. Uh, to call me if he changes his mind <laughs> and um, and that I would always be there for him. And then I walked him to his car. He kind of like clasped my hand and held it really tight and offered to drive me the two seconds back to my house. And we hugged in the car and I kissed him goodbye. And I think the thing that sticks with me is as I was turning the key to go into my house, I looked back at him and I will never forget that look on his face because he looked so broken and sad. And then I closed the door and I literally just kind of like fell to the ground crying. And I called my best friend. I called my mom, which was a bad idea. <laughs> and then I called one of my close uh, improv friends who kind of knew him. So to answer your question, it was mutual, although in a very heartbreaking kind of neither of us wanted this, but we didn't know what else to do with it type of way. Oh, this, um, <laughs> you did such a good job at describing it. I feel like I'm like back in my last, I mean, it, it's, it's so similar to what I went through, um, six years ago with my breakup. It was like the exact same thing. Like we knew mm -hmm. we weren't on the same page. And I think there's a special kind of sadness when it ends like that, because you're mm -hmm. like, I like you. I like you. The reality is it just can't work. And I actually, I did something very similar right before we broke up where we had never said, I love you. And mm -hmm. I said, I would hate myself if I didn't say it. I love you. Like I've loved you for a long time. Um, and I think there's something about me that feels proud that like, even though I knew I was going to be hurt, like I was being true to myself. So I think there's something special in being able to do that. And I think so much of what I try to talk about is like the grass is greener on the other side. So many listeners would probably think that seeing their ex sad would make it easier. But my guess is it probably was not easier for you to have to see that. No. And as I have kind of practiced telling this, I grabbed a Kleenex because that is the moment that I break down is when I think about you know, there's so many times, especially in previous breakups, you're like, I want them to hurt the way that I hurt. But, you know, maybe I truly didn't care about those people in the same way as I cared about him. But for me, that image of seeing his face like that, not haunts me, but just it stuck with me. And it, and I understood why he broke down when this was happening, because he said it, it hurts me how much you're hurting. And likewise, 
I wish I could erase that memory of what he looked like because it is the one thing that actually causes me more pain than it does like my own sadness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're someone listening and maybe your ex was really cold during the breakup, just that's what I tell people. I'm like, breakups hurt. They just hurt. Like there are so many different ways to look at a breakup and there are so many different things that cause breakups. But at the end of the day, oh my gosh, they just hurt no matter what. So instead of focusing on like, oh, I wish it happened this way, try to just focus like, okay, this is the sad thing I had to go through. So how can I work through it? And and I'm already hearing great things that you did right after the breakup of calling <laughs> people. I'm the same way with my mom. My mom happened to call me. Like the second you hear your mom's voice, you're just like, ah, like total yes. meltdown. <laughs> so I yeah and it's so natural and it's so loving but not that I'm saying don't reach out to whoever is kind of that maternal you know parental figure in your life but maybe not at like the moment where you're on your knees crying because it absolutely just like broke her heart and she felt so powerless so I just added so much worry and you know your girlfriends know they know your moods, right? Like my girlfriend's in my cycle for, you know, like they know yeah. where I'm at with everything. They're like, okay, dude, you're going to be fine. You're PMSing, like you're okay. But the mom thing is just, or the parental thing is just, it's different. So love her, but she just, you know, her first reaction is I'm going to fly up there and come talk to him. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not necessary. <laughs> I know. That's how my parents are. They like jump into overdrive of trying yeah. to, to fix, which that's just their nature. They just try to Mm -hmm. hop in to fix it. So, um, okay. So he leaves, you call your friends. Mm -hmm. Um, what are like the biggest struggles you're dealing with right after the breakup? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is that his absence in my life was so palpable and because comedy is both of our happy places, it was really hard to find pain in the same place that brought me so much joy. So I couldn't watch, you know, at the time we're doing things all live streamed um, on YouTube and Facebook. So I couldn't watch any of his shows. Um, And when I saw him comment during one of ours, it kind of took my breath away for a moment. And I, it was really hard for me to concentrate. So it was just very difficult to have someone be so, to be so intimately, intimately involved with someone and for them to just not be there anymore. And at the same time, my presence and my influence within kind of our world of comedy was starting to expand. I was getting more roles and, you know, things were kind of growing for me and it was really exciting. And he would have been the first person that I wanted to tell because I know he would have been so proud and had kind of seen me from the beginning and I couldn't. So that constant feeling of he's so close, but so far away was probably the most difficult thing, especially at the beginning. Yeah. And I think too, there's also this added element and I know a lot of my listeners deal with this, but the COVID relationships and the COVID breakups, because you're not really seeing a lot of people Mm -hmm. except this like one person. So I know there's a huge adjustment after that. Um, And I wonder, was there any part of your ego that like wanted to force yourself to like be able to comment on on his stuff or like, was there any part of you that felt like I need to be able to still push through my feelings so I can like prove that I'm okay? Um, There definitely was. At the very beginning, I think I was kind of this like bruised and battered little bird that I I really couldn't do anything for the first two weeks. And I just completely 
became very insular and really just went to my friends and just let them kind of envelop me into their bosoms and just like make me just comfort me because that is all I could do. And at the same time, I still had to go to work and still function. So literally it was just a day by day thing. And I would say about two weeks after is when I felt like I had it in me to start watching shows again and to maybe comment, but sometimes I would just kind of hang back in the wings and I didn't. Um, but there definitely was, I would say sometime between two and four weeks afterwards, I you know started work out again. I you know highlighted my hair, I was feeling good. And I did, I finally did break through it. And I commented and I saw his reaction on the screen and I didn't, he had the same like punch to the gut look on his face as I did. And I realized, okay, we're both in a similar place of hurting and I don't have anything to prove to him. You know, like I, I know he's hurting and I know I'm hurting. So what am I doing this for? So I kind of put my ego aside and it was just one brief moment and realized like, I need to just go back to like licking my wounds and not rub salt into his because that's just unkind. So I did briefly, and then, I mean, I came back to have my glow up (laughs) much later, (laughs) but in the very beginning, it was too hard. So I did, I dabbled, and then I realized that this isn't who I am. I don't need to prove anything to him or to myself. Well, I think what ends up happening is, I think a lot of people have those feelings, and they either like completely act on them, and then realize it doesn't provide the satisfaction that they thought Mm -hmm. it was going to, or they have the experience like you, where it's like, who's really winning? Like Mm -hmm. no one's winning. Um, I'm hurting, they're hurting. So I think that's a really common experience. And you guys, if you could see Sarah's hair, it looks so good. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know what it looked like before, but it looks so good. That was like the first thing I said when she came. (laughs) That was the first thing I said when she came on the screen. Um, Okay. So I love your focus on letting your friends just like completely surround you. I think that's so important. I joked that like my friends would, (laughs) my friends would have like a schedule, like, Mm -hmm. okay, she's going to come over to my house for dinner on Wednesday. Who's taking her? I was like a child. Who's taking her on Thursday (laughs) after work? (laughs) Um, What were some other things that you did right after Mm -hmm. the breakup? And I think, you know, I'd love if you could touch on that void that you were feeling with him? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you fill that? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I think, one of my favorite questions that you're asking, because it's the go-to now that I give all my friends who are going through breakups. So the first thing that I got really clear about once the initial wave of grief, that first 24 hours kind of passed, was as I reflected on this, I was like, you know, this was the healthiest relationship I'd ever experienced. And I wanted to respect it with a healthy breakup. So I decided to do everything I never did in previous breakups because clearly those were not working for me. So first things first, we did no contact. And this is before I even found your podcast, but he had mentioned something about being friends. And I was like, you know what? I've got a lot of great friends and it's just too painful for you to be within arm's reach. And I don't need this in my life right now. I'm sorry. So I declined it. And then I leaned so heavily on my tribe all of my friends just kind of like the bat signal went out and everyone just kind of came in and just took care of me. And in the same way as I've done for them. So I didn't feel like this was a one-sided thing. Like I knew I have done and I would do the same for them. So, you know, they enveloped me in what I called like a comfort cocoon. Uh, At one point, one of my friends who had gone through kind of a really difficult breakup invited me over with all things comforting, like mood lighting, candles, you know, whatever beverages I wanted, you know, yummy snacks, like just everything that would be soothing to my soul. And I realized that's what I needed. So I just was really gentle with myself. 
Um, and I let people in that I normally wouldn't. So that night when one of my improv friends was like, I can be there in 15 minutes, I normally would have been like, no, 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 I don't want to impose. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to let her do this. And I'm so glad that I did because she was able to be there for me. She was able to cry with me. And then when I started to get down on myself, she reminded me of like who I am and like lifted me back up. Um, and after I would say the first couple days, then the work really started. So I found your podcast. When I found one of the episodes about getting through a breakup in quarantine and you had like listed 10 things and I literally wrote out the 10 things and every day I did it and, you know, reaching out to a couple friends per day, having something to look forward to moving for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, everything in there, because I needed someone to just tell me what to do to start to feel better because I didn't know how else to do it for myself. Um, I uh, journaled like a fiend, like you said, sometimes multiple times per day. Um, I started to do some light yoga and then after a couple of weeks, I was able to get back into my workout routine and then I just cried like a lot. Um, one of those first yoga sessions, I just, I'm like, I was laughing at myself because I was getting into poses and just sobbing as I'm like going into warrior two. And then I had to like make myself laugh because it was yeah. so ridiculous. Um, and I would talk out loud sometimes to him, sometimes to, um, you know, I also believe in like spirit guides and that type of stuff. So whatever spoke to me, I just let myself do it. Um, I watched a lot of videos on attachment theory. I reread the book Attached. And then when the emotions became too much, um, I would console myself like I would a child. So I had gotten these little crystal hearts. Um, obviously the audience can't see them, but I got this actually on Valentine's Day. Um, you know, as you said, plan the big days. So I went out with my friend and I happened to find these crystal hearts at a store and I just kind of hold them whenever I feel really overwhelmed and I just let myself cry. And then I tell myself like, it's okay. You're feeling a lot of big emotions. You're going to be okay. Everything's okay. And I just kind of rub it and I let the emotions come out. And that is really cathartic. Um, and then lastly, I took a break from social media. Um, like I said, I was kind of totally silent for a while. Maybe I would post about a show that we were doing, but I kept it minimal. I unfollowed him from Facebook and from Instagram. I didn't go as far as to block him. I thought about it, but not seeing it, not having him be visible was helpful enough for me. Um, it was a lot, but it was a, a complete <laughs> detox at the very beginning. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? 
June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into June's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. A question I get asked all the time is, is it normal for a breakup to feel more intense during my period? And the answer is yes. PMS is already so hard to deal with, and then you throw a breakup into that. And I know for me, PMS can make me feel anxious, exhausted, starving, and sad. Not a great combo. And that's why I love using and recommending Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth, which can make PMS easier to manage and has helped reduce those anxious feelings and low moods I experience around my period. And fun fact, a bottle is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens, which help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormones can make us feel so out of whack, and I agree with the most commonly used phrase in their 17,000 reviews, which is that it does make you feel like yourself again. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code HEARTBREAK at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code HEARTBREAK for 15% off today. No, A++. Um, (laughs) If I ever hire you as a coach, seriously. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh, so many good things that you said. Uh, When you were talking about your support system, that moment where the girl said, I'm 15 minutes away and you said, yes, come over. Mm -hmm. That is huge. That is Mm -hmm. so huge. And it sounds like we're similar. Um, I love helping. I'm a little uncomfortable being helped. Um, But when I was so down and out, it just broke through all the walls and just Mm -hmm. said like, you know, I need all the help that I can get. And I think sometimes what people forget being that person that you said, come over, you helped that person too. Mm -hmm. helping people feels good. And so Mm -hmm. you're giving someone an opportunity, um, to feel good about themselves by being able to help you. So I think that's a really important point too. Yeah. And I mean, for the people pleasers out there like myself, you know, we do have a hard time asking for help. And one of the things about friendship is that it is a two-way street and there's something to be said for being able to not only help someone else, but also being able to receive that help because that is the give and the take of a truly meaningful friendship. And if you are only the one that feels like you can be the one to give, then you're really kind of depriving that friendship of that vulnerability And this experience in and of itself brought me so much closer to my girlfriends. And honestly, one of the things that I walked away from it after the first couple of weeks was, wow, I'm so proud of myself for having invested in these group of people that I knew they were always great friends, but really it's moments like this where you realize like, good job, Sarah, like you chose well, like you surrounded yourself with really great people because likewise, I'm a hopefully a good person they think I am but it just made me very proud of like who I've chosen to bring into my inner life and also how much this sad experience also enriched our friendships and brought it to a new level 
that um, how sad if I never was able to experience that with them, if I didn't let myself be vulnerable. And I think that's probably applicable in lots of interpersonal relationships. So I think vulnerability, whether it's in relationships or friendships, is really important if you feel like it's a safe place to put it. I couldn't agree more. And I'm the same. I deepened so many friendships during those times of breakups. And I was thinking about like the theme of so much of what you did. I think a lot of it was you really listened to your gut, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. You really listened to it because when you were sad, you allowed yourself to be sad and then you allowed yourself to laugh you know, in the same like 10 minutes, I think we can get so stuck in how we quote unquote should be feeling. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you just let Sarah dictate Sarah's healing. Yep. And I loved that you said, I'm going to do something different than I have done in the past. And that's literally how breakup SD was formed. I finally was like, mm. I'm pretty sick of, you know, how I've done these things in the past. And so I really want to try something differently. So I applaud you so much for how you, you know, handled all of that and all the things that, that you did. And my guess is like all those little things that you did started working and I'm sure they didn't work right away. Like the first time you worked out, it's like, how is this helping my yep. breakup? Um, exactly. But I'd be curious, when did you start feeling like you were making progress? Mm. Um, I would probably say, again, it's like you had said recently in, I think one of your stories about the small wins, suddenly you realize like those were the cumulative amount becomes kind of the big win. And so it was really small progress, especially as I kind of reflected back on it in my timeline. So I would say after like two weeks, the pain and the heaviness in my chest started to lift. And then by one month, um, I actually went to a smash room with some of my friends and I broke a ton of shit and that felt really good. Highly recommend it. Um, I would say by two months, it was the week of our birthdays and I went to Southern California to spend it with my family. And so not hearing from him. Uh, was really hard, but I kept myself busy on my birthday and on his birthday. And I just got through it as best as I could. And I would say probably after two months, I started to feel less heavy every day and started to feel a little bit more future-minded. Um, I wasn't quite ready to start dating, but I was opening up to the idea. And, you know, I stopped watching videos about breakups and I started to learn more about meditating and just kind of like self-care and manifestation. I started to spend more time outdoors and just doing more normal things. And at around three months was when we actually had our first interaction and I had prepped myself for it by listening to your podcast <laughs> about when you had to re-engage with your ex. Yeah. And so I harnessed my inner Kendra. <laughs> I was friendly. I kept the conversation short, uh, but pleasant. And I kind of generally carried myself as I normally would around my friends and my friend who's part of my improv group and who had come that first night. And she's kind of seen this whole thing go through she said, I killed it. That meant everything to me. Yes. She was like, you're killing the breakup game. That was amazing. But you know, it was bittersweet because our eyes kept catching each other's uh, whenever we were in a group and he sat next to me during lunch and it was like the closest and the furthest he felt from me in three months. And we shared a private moment outside of my car, which I'd also gotten a new car during this time. And my hair was done, like killing myself. I, I, yeah. It felt good. That was where the ego came in. It felt really good to flaunt that. Um, but it was a pleasant interaction. And then, you know, after three months, I activated a dating app and started to talk to people. 
Um, and then you know, the interactions since then with him are kind of short and kind of awkward. I don't think he knows what to say to me, but I just try to keep my head held high. I try to be friendly and warm and just keep swimming. Um, and then on the day of what would have been our one year anniversary, I woke up and happened to see your ex was emotionally unavailable podcast and listened to okay. it like two or three times. And I felt like this was the universe telling me like, you need to listen to this today because it spoke to my heart so much and it was exactly what I needed. So it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly when I started to feel better, but it was by doing these small things every day, little pieces of me started to kind of like heal and I stopped crying every day and I started to feel like more like myself and suddenly it isn't until you kind of look back and you're like oh wow like or talking a friend through another breakup that I was like oh my gosh like I can't believe how far I've come I didn't think I could even see this day but it's hard to see it when you're in the moment but like I truly believe trust the process and if you do it and you do the little things every single day the little things become the big things and you don't see it until you're a couple of months out and like, oh, wow, I did not think I would be able to see this day. And here I am. Yes. I mean, that's exactly why I asked this question is so I, we can see like those small wins. And I love that distinction that you made between needing to soak up all of the breakup content and then making that switch into just like self-care stuff. I think that's a really big distinction because that goes from focusing on the problem to focusing more on just the solution. And I think we all need to focus on the problem in the beginning, but being able to see that shift um, is so awesome. And I love the idea of if you're going to see your ex, like feel good, like <laughs> dress up, do your hair. I love my, my friend recently went through a breakup and she got a new car and she, she called it her fuck you car. <laughs> like, <laughs> love it. Which I loved so much. Um, and yeah, so I think there's such good uses of ego and like wanting to feel good. And I think that was like a perfect example of that. And the last thing that you said was about that episode about the emotional unavailability. It sounds like it probably hit you at like the exact right time. And that's what happens when we get distance from a relationship and from a breakup is we just start getting to see the reality from a more of a bird's eye view. You can't see that stuff in the beginning. It's like, we're just stuck in the shock and the sadness and the depression and all of that stuff. So once we start working our way through the different layers of the breakup, then we can see it from like a more realistic perspective. And then that probably allowed you to further your healing of like, okay, this is what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it like doesn't necessarily make it anyone's fault. It's just like, that's what happened. It is what Absolutely. it is. And I think it gives like that faith that at some point we usually figure out why a breakup really happened, mm -hmm. even if we yeah. don't know it right in the beginning. And again, I feel like I'm quoting all of your podcasts because I'm so obsessed, but your <laughs> other one about people who had a really great relationship. Yeah. I also listened to that. And um, <sighs> this is how much of a nerd I am. You talk about you realize that maybe it was just good enough and that it was great. It was good. But then you start to kind of get further away from it. And you're like, well, maybe it was just good enough. And that, you know, if this was a good one, then the next one might be even greater. And that if you kind of look at the 
timeline or trajectory of your relationships that you'll see hopefully each one is getting better than the next. So I graphed out my relationships. I I'm such a dork. I know. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. don't be this sorry. I, I love I love that more than anything in the world. I was journaling after I listened to that and I ranked each relationship. I'm a, my best friend knows that I'm big on like ranking things. So I ranked each relationship that I've had in my life and I graphed it out in my journal to just see it because I needed to, like, it was such an interesting thought. I'd never thought about it that way. And I had to just physically look at it and be like, Hey, like, good job, kid. Like you didn't even know it, but you are like your relationship blowups are happening without you even realizing it. And if he was like, you know, a seven, eight or whatever, I think I ranked him at like an eight and you're saying that that was like the best, like you don't even know what's next and look at how much you've learned from this and mistakes you're not going to repeat. So like for sure, the next one's going to be even greater. Are you going to deprive yourself of that because you can't let go of this? And that was really like another epiphany that I kind of had through this in like the nerdiest way possible. And again, I was laughing at myself about it, but for the visual learners out there, it was a very helpful exercise to go through. <laughs> That's amazing. Cause you're never going to go. You just, you know, got out of a relationship that was an eight. You're not going to go to a five. You're not even going to go to seven and you probably won't no. even like stick in an eight. Like you won't allow yourself to do that. And I remember yeah. I had a, I had a mentor that was always, she was so funny. She would always tell me like, we upgrade relationships. Like we upgrade cars. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a lot of car references in this episode, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, you're going to keep getting better. And then she would remind me of some of the people that I thought were the one at one point. And I was like, Oh, that's embarrassing almost. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, even uh, as I thought about him and, you know, I thought about like, if he called today and said, let's go back, would you be okay with that? And a part of me was like, not to what we had, because I see the holes in what we had. And it wasn't all just like rainbows and unicorns and all that. There was things that could be better now that I realize it. So it's like, as much as I miss him and I want to be with him again, not the way that we were, I want better, right? Like you were a great, he was a great person, but I want even better than that. And then that's when I started realizing I was missing the fantasy of what I thought we could have. And I wasn't really reflecting on the reality of what it was. And that was also a helpful distinction to realize, like to separate the fantasy from the reality and to realize like my memory is remembering all the good things and selectively weeding out the bad not bad but you know the unpleasant yeah and it's almost like when we're going through a breakup and we're just dying for the person to ask for us back it feels like they have the upper hand mm -hmm. but when you get to the place that you were in where you say if they were to come back you know who knows if you'd say yes or no but you have certain like standards and things that you mm -hmm. would need so it kind of allows you to have it's empowering basically yes. to be in that awesome. place where you're not just at the mercy of someone, you are able to make a choice based on you, what you deserve and what your standards of relationships are. So I think that's mm -hmm. really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it felt great to know that and to know that the decision was mutual ish, right. But limited by what he was able to do. So it felt like rather than this being quote, like, like his issue or his problem now it was kind of like no now I have an opinion about this as well and so I get to decide how I want my next relationship to look and I don't want it to look like the last one even though it was great it was good enough is what I finally realized and yeah. that felt really good to know that I wasn't missing out on the greatest love of my life and I'm never going to find it again it was like oh I think according to this graph it's just going to get better so I want what's better yeah. <laughs> I love that
Um, and I think you've mentioned some things throughout this episode, but what are some good things that have come out of your life since January? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, so I think the one thing that gives me a lot of peace right now, and I never thought I would say this, is that I'm actually really grateful for the entire arc of my relationship with him, including the breakup. So like I said, this was the healthiest relationship I had ever experienced. And if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have a healthy breakup. And look how much I've learned from both of the experiences. I'm not the same person I was when we first started dating. And I'm not the same person I was when we broke up. I've learned and unlearned so many things about myself. And kind of personally, I myself had experienced burnout and PTSD from work. And one quote that stayed with me during that time was, I am so much better healed than I ever was unbroken. And I carry that with me through this breakup as well. And so one night while I journaled after I broke no contact once and I got a really dry text from him and I realized that door was closed and it gave me permission to really move on. And as I just kind of free wrote, um, what came out was unexpected and that I had written, I'm grateful to him. I'm grateful for the gift he gave me throughout our relationship. And I'm grateful to the gift he gave me in our breakup because I wouldn't have grown into this woman I am today. And I wouldn't want to be who I was before because she was missing out on so much perspective and transformation. And then I just think like, man, what a loss it would have been had I not had this entire experience to grow from and be able to apply in my day-to-day -day life as well as my daily life. So I think that is aside from the connections with my friends and all of that, really spending that time connecting with myself and learning about what did this entire process teach me? I think that was something that gave me and gives me a lot of peace. What a beautiful perspective. And honestly, that would be the goal. Like if I could set a goal for almost everyone that I work with, it would be that, that you have a place where you're not just grateful for, you know, the pain, but you're also grateful for the relationship. I always tell people when they say like, I wish my ex never existed. I wish I never had that relationship. It's like you did and it made you who you are. That quote that you said, what was it? I'm better healed I'm than I ever was unbroken. Mm -hmm. Wow. That <laughs> is incredible. Cause it's so true. Mm -hmm. It really is so true. I think about how my life would have been like if I didn't have trauma and bad relationships mm -hmm. and you know all this stuff and it's like um you know like I'd still be happy but I wouldn't be anywhere close to who I am at this Absolutely. at this moment so yeah. um that's such a beautiful perspective and I hope everyone gets to experience that I really do because it comes with peace right mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. and it is it's just it doesn't mean that I don't still miss him and it doesn't mean that I still don't think about things or wish things could be different but I can at least not feel tormented. I can at least not carry around so much pain with me. And that, again, the idea of living with and, you know, I can miss him and miss what we had and have my good days and bad days. And I can have learned from this experience and want more for myself and want better. And these two things can coexist. I think it's not a or or a but situation, which really kind of shifted my paradigm and how I think about lots of things, but specifically with this breakup. What was the thing that surprised you most like about you during the healing process? Like what's something where you're like, whoa, I didn't realize I was like this strong or, you know, something like that. Like what surprised you about this whole thing? Um, I think I 
underestimated how important it is to work on yourself rather than perseverate on the relationship and the pain that you're feeling. So everything that you had said about focusing on yourself during no contact is true. And I had never done it before. And I would always perseverate on my partner and like, what could have been better? And what did I do differently? Or what could I have done differently? And, you know, all of that. And I never really gave myself the space to learn and grow from a relationship after it dissolved. So I kept repeating the same patterns. And as hard as it was to be in no contact with him, it was more than worth the time and the effort that I spent reconnecting with myself and my friends. And again, I kept bringing things back to like neurochemistry of like, these are dopamine hits. And I'd done it before, right? I've done the dopamine hits before and they're so unsatisfying and realizing like, I'm going through a withdrawal, right? I had to like really bring it back down to science. Like I'm going through withdrawal of like dopamine and oxytocin. These are like the neurotransmitters we need to connect with people but I can get that hit in different ways, right? Because a friend showing me love and me expressing, you know, connection with somebody else is still activating the same things, not as intensely, but it's still doing it. And that softened the withdrawal a little bit. It didn't replace it entirely, but it also enriched my life in so many ways, or even like, I'm not an outdoorsy person, but spending time outdoors, you know, made me realize like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. And like, as long as I take care of my allergies and I'm less miserable from that perspective, like I can do this every once in a while. Um, so, you know, it was surprising that I think where you live in a culture where everything is focused on other people, again, if for the people pleasers out there, that we forget that idea of you have to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can put on somebody else's. And so how important it is for self-compassion and self-care and that um, I don't think I truly, I knew it, but I didn't, I wasn't living it. And doing that really made me closer to myself. Like I have such a deeper understanding and appreciation for the person that I am. I love that. And I think all these new perspectives that you have picked up, not to say like you'll you know ever go through a breakup like this, but I'm sure like if something hard were to happen in your life, you can take all of these tools and like, finding comfort and taking care of yourself and, you know, realizing it's okay to be a little uncomfortable and find other ways to cope with that. I just think there's so much power in just collecting those tools and having that kind of faith in yourself, because no matter what happens, like, you know, you're going to be okay. Absolutely. Self-soothing. I mean, literally treating myself. And I mean, that helps. I'm a pediatrician. So um, knowing how to treat myself in those emotional temper tantrums and being able to self-soothe. I think is an invaluable skill because that's often in life where we turn to things externally, right? Whether we self-medicate with like drugs and alcohol or distraction, like people with anxiety tend to distract themselves. And, and I do this, I fill my social calendar to the point of exhaustion because I don't want to sit with my thoughts. And so I think realizing that and just being like, you know what, you can feel better because you have the tools to know how to make yourself feel better. And that doesn't just apply with relationships that replies to anxiety that applies to issues with family like it could apply to anything it's an important life skill to have to know what makes you feel better and how do you do that for yourself and also when you need to how do you open yourself up to others absolutely absolutely and the last question i wanted to close with is um that night when you walked in the house and just like melted into the floor <laughs> if you could go back and talk to that version of you what would you say to her I would tell her, this is really hard and this hurts, but you're going to be okay. And to just trust yourself and trust the process. You have been through hard things before and you've come out from that stronger and you will 
come out stronger for this. But for right now, do what makes you feel good and like take care of you. But just know that you will be okay. I think that's probably the biggest thing I would have comforted myself with at the time. I probably wouldn't have been able to hear it that night. Yeah. But I think I have mentally gone back in my head and told myself that multiple times, even when I'm like upset and crying or whatever, I still say that to myself. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I feel feel like I'm just going to send people this up when they're like, I went through a breakup. What do I do? I'll just be like, just listen to this episode. <laughs> It'll lay out a game plan. Um, but you are just such evidence of what happens when you do the work. That's yeah, the thing. It's like, you. you're at this place because you did a lot. This didn't just happen to you. Like you worked mm-hmm. really hard for it. So I love having testimonials like that, that, you know, this stuff works. So thank you so much. And I'm excited to see where your journey leads. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And honestly, Kendra, I think what you provide, and I say this, you know, as I fangirl on your Instagram and everything like obsessively, like, but genuinely, I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. I think finding your podcast that day, like two days into it was very serendipitous. And I'm just so grateful for it. And, you know, I would say to anyone who's listening that if you just feel like you can't do it, um, just just, you've got to put one foot in front of the other, just keep swimming, honestly, and you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. But one of those days, this podcast is just going to speak to you like it was recorded for you. And then you will know that like, you are not alone and that everyone is going through their pain in the different ways. And what you provide is so wonderful. And it's not a get back with your ex or anything. It's get back to you, which is the most important thing. And like, that is a relationship you will carry for the rest of your life. So I am so grateful to have found you and to have had this opportunity to be able to share all the things, honestly, you taught me that I was then able to kind of create into my own little breakup curriculum. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. That was, that was so sweet. (laughs) Well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass, I promise.